Good morning. Is it on? Yeah, it's working. That's good, isn't it? Uh, so uh, we're in a season or in a series this year asking what, what are we building uh, together. And this is a free week in, in the sense that I haven't been given a title um, so I'm going to be speaking about some of the things that I feel God is speaking to me personally. So you're going to get a bit of an insight into uh, uh, what's going on inside me, some of my struggles, some of my hopes and dreams, and some of the things that um, I feel God is is dealing with or helping me through um, in this time, if I take that out of my pockets. Um, so, um, if we can go on to slide three, if you wouldn't mind. So, you remember this phrase, and you probably heard this phrase, constant change is here to stay. I don't know how comfortable you are with change. I think we all like to think we're, yep, I don't mind change. Um, uh, Ruth loves change. And um, when we were first married, uh, I would come home from work and find the rooms changed round. Um, we lived in a flat, but to keep me on my toes and to keep our two-bedroom flat looking different, she would change the furniture around. She'll move everything. Um, I did not like that. I much preferred, uh, <laughs> yeah, she didn't do that. <laughs> yes, I didn't be in the wrong corner. But um, <laughs> that reminds me of a dream I had, but I won't tell you. <laughs> Moving quickly on. Um, uh, but now, after 28 years of marriage, I love it. So I came home the other day and she'd changed the living room round again. And now she's changing uh, my office area or our office area. And, and she's changed her hair. She, she likes to do that as well. And, and I've begun to like it after 28 years. No, it's not quite after 28 years. But we... Personally, as a couple, are in a season of extreme change. So we, we have four children. Not everybody know, knows me and Ruth very well. Uh, but we have four children. And our last child living at home moved out in May. And that, that's a significant change for us. We, we were married at 20 and 21 Ten months later, because we didn't really understand contraception, um, it's true, uh, Rachel was born. And so we spent ten months on our own together before we, uh, our relationship was interrupted by a screaming baby in the middle of the night. And, and we had four children by the time we were 28. And... Now we're 49, and the final one has gone from our house. It's a huge change. Our children are 
all over the country from Sunderland to Devon and Bristol and Gloucester and we're like oh wow we're in a season of change Mondays Wednesdays and and I used to take Nicola to work I don't do that we used to chat and and talk about what God is doing or or talk about hair or makeup (laughs) Or, or whatever or just sit in the car together and in the mornings she's a morning person I'm a morning person we would just chat away I don't have that it's gone so it's change so God is so we are really conscious that we're in a big season of change personally what do we focus on when you've got four kids running around your house you're you're just focusing focusing on surviving <laughs> and feeding them it's true where do you want to go well can't you walk walk <laughs> or you pass your driving test i ain't driving that car it's yellow can't you got no. tough it's the car we've got. Can't be seen with that car, Dad. You, you, you know, you, you, there's constant stuff. And now we're in a season of change. And I don't know how you process change or what goes on in you. But we're, for us, it's, it's a big season for us. We're, lots of change in the church. Lots of change. You might not see it, you know, drastically yourselves. But for us huge amount of change going on you know i was saying the other day no maybe i won't say that. i'll leave that i'll leave that Here, here's one of the ways uh, if you'll go to the, to the next slide we um have been learning to process change we call this we, we feel that we're in a big kairos moment and it comes from mark 1 15 um um, the time is at hand. Time being the Greek word kairos, not chronos, not chron- chronological time. Kairos is, is like a significant moment or an event or a period of time. Um, Jesus, Jesus said it here. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. You know, and one of the things we have is a bit of time. And we want our time to be full and fulfilled in God. We're wondering, what is our focus to be? What's our role now? We've been loving parents. Not that we stop being loving parents with kids all around. What's our role now, what's our focus? Ruth and I get time to chat together or not. Repent and believe in the gospel. And we are taking some time together to reflect around How's our thinking changing? Because that's what repentance is. When God comes in, he changes your thinking about him. 
but maybe wants to change your thinking about situations or seasons or what you're in at the moment or the way you behave or act or whatever. That's how God constantly deals with us. See, he's dealing with me. We're in a change. He's beginning to change our thinking and maybe even our focus. I, I mean, I, I want to keep a relationship with my children. You, you know, if they're in Sunderland and I'm, I'm here, I've got grandchildren now and I love having grandchildren. And it's like, wow, I've got four lots of children. We've got Ruth's parents. Ruth's dad wasn't very well recently. How do we how do we ensure that we see them and keep connection with them? FaceTime is great. It's real help, but how do we do that face to face? It's a challenge for us as we seek to do that. And our thinking, a lot of our thinking has been taken up by the present help helping our kids. I mean, we're still in a season, an amazing year. Of celebration and some pain, I can tell you that. Celebration, we started 1st of January with a new grandchild. We had an engagement. Paul was 21. One wedding, gone. Praise Jesus. Another wedding coming. Our, my mum and dad's 50th. Ruth is going to be 50, considerably older than me, I hasten to add. (laughs) In September, I'm not even 50 till next year, and and <laughs> so lots of celebration and in the midst some real pain and heartache, and and we we are thinking, what is going on with us? Next slide, if you wouldn't mind. So, so just sorry, going back to the previous slide. So we know that in this season, God will be speaking to us and is speaking to us. But it's not an instant moment. This is taking us a bit of time to consider. So this is not a... That we are processing this together. Trying to listen to God, discuss it reflect, you know, observe what's going on, looking at ourselves going, some of the things we're finding really difficult, and we know that there comes a point where we go, right, we've got to make some changes. And and some of those changes are in our day-to-day working stuff out. As practical as, like, if I come home from work with this nice sunny day, and I think, oh, great. I can go out for a few holes of golf. But Ruth hasn't seen anybody all day. And she needs somebody to chat to. And whatever. And I want to go and play golf. That, uh, you, you know, those kind of things become... Whereas before, she had Nicola to chat to. And Nicola has cleared off. <laughs> and, and so how do I respond in that? What's more important to me, golf or finding somebody... For Ruth to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, golf. Any, I mean, no, but those are practical. You, you know, 
it's, it's, it's change. So, um, those moments might be for all of us at different times. Seasons and changes in life circumstances. These are really important moments to include, you know, God right in the midst. He wants to speak to us in them. Wants to talk to Ruth and I about what's our focus. This scripture has been really important to me this year. And I want to read it from the message version. Matthew 11, um, 20. It's been a key verse. Sorry, 28 it is, and 29. Oh, it's up there, yes. But I want to read it here. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. This has been key verse for me. And Jeannie, you just prayed it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. To learn the unforced rhythms of grace. My life rhythms are changing. Our rhythms need to change sometimes. Our rhythms are changing together. You you know, we're not up feeding four kids, kicking them out the door to school or work. You know, there's not so much washing, although I create a lot of washing. But, you know, there's not so much. What's our rhythms of time with God. We've got more time. What does that look like for us practically in in our lives together? What's our rhythm with our children? Could you share the next slide if that's how often do we see them? How often do we see parents, friends? How do we keep connected with them? How do we keep connected with God? And what, what other rhythms should we bring into our life that are deliberate choices that we make? That we don't just slip into things. How often do we slip into things and then we look back and go, how did I start doing that? And that? We, we're in a time for us when we need to make clear choices about what we're going to give our time to. In God, family, leisure, whatever we've got, God is talking to us about where are you going to give your time? What is really important to you? What are your heart rhythms? You can't really see that. Sorry, that's a heart. And it's got a heart right at the end to help you, but you can't see it. Just imagine it. It's a spiritual heart. That's exactly what I'm talking about. What are your spiritual 
heart rhythms. So one of mine, what I know that God is speaking to me about, is being his friend. More than anything else, Ruth and I have to develop our friendship. I have time to develop our friendship. We're really good friends, by the way, just so you know. But we have more time to develop that friendship. But one of my clear focuses is to be a friend of God. Because, do you know, sometimes many of us struggle, what's my purpose in life? And I've, I've seen again that the reason I am on this earth is not to be an insurance broker or a husband or a father or a grandfather or a church leader. Or a comedian, because I like being a comedian. I am purposed to be a friend of God. Because he likes me. And he wants that for each one of us. That's why you're on this earth. He purposed you. He, he saw you. He, he created you in his imagination. You are part of his desire and he wants you to be a friend of him. That's why you're on the planet. He really likes you. I, I know we hear that he loves you. and um, But he likes you. He created you to be his friend. He wants to do what he did with Adam and Eve. Go for a walk with you in the cool of the day, at the evening. Just as the sun is going down and chat to you about your day. He wants to do that with me. He wants to get up with you in the morning and hear what you've been dreaming about. I have some crazy dreams. I have some godly dreams. He wants to know what's going on in your world. He wants to be in the car when you go to work. He wants to be at work with you. He didn't want to be in the boot. In every moment. So what I am thinking about and and praying about is what what are the what are the rhythms that I want to create that enable me to develop friendship with God what are your rhythms what, what are your current rhythms in life with God just, just take a moment what are, what are your rhythms I mean, see I'm a morning person we're all different by the way just because I do something or somebody else does something doesn't mean our life is changing. If you've got kids, you're going to have different rhythms to me. You know, you're up in the middle of the night. I'm not. You stay up late, do you, Megan? All the time. Yeah, I can't stay up. Not like that. Got to half past ten last night. I said I can't go to bed, but I was up at six. It's just what 
We're different. So your rhythm and my rhythm is different. What are the rhythms that are in your heart? That the Holy Spirit is talking to you about and that he wants to work in you. And you respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. What are your rhythms of leisure? What are your rhythms of time with family? I was reading this. Uh, we've been reading Luke in, in our LTG. And um, uh, Luke 10, I'm going to turn to. I want to look at two bits. Um, we'll look at Luke 8, but Luke 10. And um, right at the end, and everybody will know this. Now it happened as they uh, went that he, this is Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted by much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part and will not be taken away from her. In one sense, that's that's quite hard because it it says they both learned to sit at Jesus' feet. But um, Martha had got distracted, the passage says, by doing what what looked amazingly good, like serving Jesus. And um, I've been thinking about some of the things that distract me from my friendship with God. Like church things maybe, like duties, like hmm, like lots of things that I look at, like television, or book, or what? I'm sorry, I didn't. A lawnmower. Yeah, like cutting my grass. Um, just stuff, life stuff, work. Getting really, Phil was telling me this morning he's working 24-7. I, I actually don't think that's very good. But um, uh, it's just, I've done it. Where work is constantly on my mind. It's a distraction. Or church stuff. Constantly on my mind. And it's not meant to be. He is meant to be constantly on my mind. Jesus. My relationship with Father. is meant to be constantly at the forefront. What distracts me again will be different to what distracts you. From relationship with God. Because we're different people. 
And we're meant to be at a place of rest in him, learning from him. I was the um, same book in, in Luke 8. Let me just find it. My printer broke this morning. It's the parable of the sower. You'll know this parable very well, many of you. Others, it might not be so clear. But as the sower goes out, he sows seed on the wayside. It says some fell on rock. Soon it sprang up, but it withered away and it lacked moisture. Some fell on thorns. This is Luke 8, verse 7, sprang up and it was choked. But others fell on good ground that yielded a crop of a hundredfold. And he said to Jesus, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he explains the parable. But I was really struck by those that fell among the thorns. Verse 14, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those, when they have heard, go out. And are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to their maturity. See, we can hear the word of God, God, and it comes into our heart and begins to grow. But we get distracted by what's going on in life, by the cares of this world. In other words, we just become people who believe in God, but we we do the same as everybody else, and, it, and we do it, and it's normal. I think that's a big danger for us in the West, that our focus becomes money, our focus becomes uh, leisure and pleasure. When our focus is to be him and developing a friendship with him. And trust me, we're all rich here. Compare us to the rest of the world. We are rich. It's a big issue for us. You know, the one thing of not having four kids in our house anymore, we have more disposable income. We do. It's the truth. You know, we're maturer. I'm earning more money and the kids, <laughs> you want some, Josh, do you? <laughs> you want some as well. You've got, you haven't even got kids yet. You've got two incomes and you always dress nice. <laughs> Get in that offering basket back there. <laughs> but the one thing we can do, one of us, is give more. And we are giving more than we've ever given in our life. And we're able to give more. And we like giving more. I love giving presents. And we love... Ruth always used to... It freaked me when we first got married. Ruth always wanted to give money. Always. Scared me a bit. A bit like my room being changed. Because it didn't. we never had enough money... I did a budget, and we never had enough money. At the end of the month, we'd be in the red. We never went in the red. 
I don't know how sometimes. And Ruth always gave and always wanted to give. Didn't matter what the appeal was or what grabbed her heart, she always wanted to give. And I, I confess I struggled with that. And, and you know, it's fear-based. But it's also this based. That we like the pleasures. We do like the pleasures. We do sometimes think that money will help us. There was a survey done, I, I read this article years ago, uh, about what income would, would make you feel better you you know would solve all your issues most people no matter what income they were on uh, went plumped for 25 percent above what they were currently on they felt that it would be enough didn't matter what income people were on everybody felt if i just had 25 percent more that would solve my problems It doesn't solve your problems because your problem is a heart issue. But we can easily be distracted. And it's not just money. I know I focused a bit on my... It's pleasures, leisure, whatever. They choke you. They choke your friendship and relationship with God. Great. Thanks, Megan. Oh, thanks. That's not enough, Megan. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. That's great. But it's still not enough. <laughs> um, but do you know what? She responds to uh, a heart, and that's quite generous. Yeah, I will thank you. I am thanking you. And, um, y- y- you know. Generosity is something we spoke about on Vision Day, and, um, but it really, it's going to be, it's easy to talk about generosity, it's more difficult to, to be generous, because it really grabs you, and it's going to grab our pockets, and it's going to grab our fears. Because, you know, if you were anything like me, being brought up, I was, brought, I was taught to save and not spend and to put money by for a rainy day. The danger is that's based on fear. It's quite interactive today, isn't it? <laughs> uh, okay. What, what are your distractions? One of the things that I'm being forced to do is take a good look at myself and be honest with myself about what my distractions are. Or what and, and I do get distracted. I get distracted when I'm praying. You know, some people are really focused. I, I am an extrovert um, and I'm a personality type that will... Be distracted. Ruth says, I've seen a squirrel. Uh, and uh, it's like 
I'll be chatting away and then something comes into my head and begin thinking about that and I've seen something. Not everybody's like that, but I am like that. I'm like that with my prayer times as well. I'm beginning to pray about something and then I'm thinking about my third shot on the 18th hole. And I think, where did that come from? What was I praying about? Right, I better get back to it. But I am like that. And some of my distractions are God things because I'll be thinking about somebody. And it happens to me. I'll be driving along thinking about work and then somebody pops into my mind and I get distracted by the Spirit of God. And I've learned that God has made me that way. Rather than fight it, I flow with it. Learning my rhythms, which are different to your rhythms in God. Now, I I want to finish by talking about what I'm learning and what I feel that God is speaking to me clearly about at the moment. Which is learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. which I think is where we have to learn from him. He has given us, if you are a a believer, the next slide please, Alison. You and me have the Holy Spirit. And um, I want to read a passage from 1 John. It's one of my favourite books. Um, Roddy and Sonia introduced me to this book. It was our study book when Ruth and I were in Wyoming. It's true. Um, And John develops a theme that he begins in his gospel. So often what you read in John's gospel, John, you'll find, will develop that theme a bit bit later. So he introduces us to the Holy Spirit, and he introduces us in John 15 to abiding. All right? In John 15, you will read about the vine and the branches and abiding in the vine. And there are seasons there, or rhythms, all right? A rhythm of pruning and growing. Pruning and growing, abiding and being a friend of God. Right, so I'm kind of linking the two. So in 1 John 2, it says this, verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. So the Holy Spirit, which you have... Now, um, I don't know when the last time you were filled with the Holy Spirit or whether you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, it says, 18, something like, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I like the correlation. Wine is quite nice. And you can get drunk on wine. But don't do that. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it gives you the same kind of feeling. Isn't it interesting how Paul, he must have known. I bet Paul was sozzled, you know, 
pride. I bet he was. To know and to give us that analogy. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says that the Holy Spirit, the anointing that is in you, teaches you all things. Teaches you. Right? So the Holy Spirit is talking to me and I'm wanting to listen. And it says, look, you know all things. You have the Holy Spirit. You know stuff. You wonder sometimes, oh, I know that. How did I know that? But you know stuff. And then further on, verse 27, you can read that whole chapter. We'll talk about that. But a bit further on, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, lives in you. God isn't out there. He's in here. Sometimes we pray, don't we, to God, and we think he's up in the clouds because we hear that God who sits in the heavens laughs. But there's a change. He's in here, and we have to live from in here, from in our hearts, where the Holy Spirit is, where God is. And listen to him. Because he wants to show us things and give us rhythms. That's where we get our rhythms from. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true. It's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So the Holy Spirit that's in you, that lives in you, will teach you to live in him. And will give you rhythms and patterns for you to live by. They're different to mine, by the way. I'm a morning person. I get up, I love to sit downstairs with a cup of coffee and chew on my Bible and pray a bit. Then I get into my car and I pray. On the way to work, I'll speak in tongues as I'm walking through Worcester because I'm praying for Worcester. And that's one of my patterns. Moses was told a couple of times in his Exodus 35 And and it's kind of repeated in Hebrews 8. Do these things. Do the pattern. Make sure you do things by the pattern I showed you on the mountain. What's your pattern that God has shown you to live by? What's, What's your pattern? What's your rhythm? When do you give him time? How? What way? Listening to music, reading books, listening to talks. I'll often, I I had to drive to Manchester the other morning. I left early. I listened to a couple of talks. Interestingly, one of them was about listening to the Holy Spirit. It was about a young lad who went on a, um, a youth trip to smuggle books. Um, Bibles into China. American youth group sent their youth group to do that. And he said he was packed. He packed his 
suitcase, his whole clothes were filled with, he, he wore this garment. And, and the guy said to him, I'll just listen to the Holy Spirit, which queue you're meant to get into at customs. And that's all, that was their training. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And so he stood there going, which queue, which queue? And he, and he felt the Holy Spirit tell him which queue to get into. And I'm like, wow, that's what you're talking to me about, God. What's the Holy Spirit talking to you? He did get through, by the way. The end of the story is he did get through, amazingly. And his suitcase went through the x-ray machine. And uh, the person on the x-ray machine was engaged in conversation, so didn't even look at his case going through. It's amazing. Lovely story for a teenager to look back on and go, I smuggled Bibles into China. It's scary but exciting at the same. And how do you do it? By listening to the Holy Spirit. What cue am I going to get into? And that's how the Holy Spirit wants us to live. Relying on him. That's how we build friendship with God. It's inside us. It's not out there. When you've accepted Jesus into your life and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, God indwells. You in him, he in you. And he wants to do that. He wants, that's my focus. It isn't church. It isn't work. It isn't golf. It isn't clash of clans. (laughs) It isn't the World Cup. It's doing what I was designed to do, is be a really good friend of God, because he likes me. And he likes my jokes. <laughs> it's true. I think I make God snigger. I make myself snigger. I do that. And so, how I want to uh, finish is just for us to respond. And be filled with the Spirit together, afresh. Because I think God wants to give us some new rhythms. Oh, just a quick thing. Um, we were praying beforehand. If anybody's got a bad shoulder, I've had a really bad shoulder. And um, I couldn't throw anymore. I used to throw a cricket ball a long distance. And my daughter, who's a physio, gave me a pattern, a rhythm of exercises that has changed my shoulder forever. It's taken a long time, but I can now throw again. It's amazing. And I just thought, if anybody's got a bad shoulder, then I'd like to pray for you that um, God will heal whatever's going on, because mine's been healed. But it's been by being disciplined and listening to uh, a good physio. So, but we're going to pray. Can we stand? Charlie, can you play a song? And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I know you can do it there. Um, But if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd like to pray with you that you get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to be more friendly with God, we would like to pray with you as well. Um, That you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't we do it together? I was thinking about um, the time in Acts when they were just... And they're all filled together. I, I know it's a personal thing at times, but Christianity isn't a personal thing.
It is and it isn't. It's a corporate thing. We work out together. We live it out together. Let's receive him. Let's receive the Holy Spirit. Let's get full. Let's get filled afresh with a bit of his wine. Let's get drunk together on him. Let's do it. In Esther it says, drink as much as you want. You're all individuals. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. Or as little of it. It's your choice. He doesn't hold anything back. Let's receive together. Just open your heart.